Hello, fanheads. This is Jagiro Beck from the Jersey Shore Family Reunion crew. We've been on a pretty long hiatus, so we appreciate your patience. But I just wanted to drop in this Thanksgiving and bring you perhaps a small fan fiction that I did write. Now, it's not about the Jersey Shore people, so I'm sorry for that, but it is about a Thanksgiving family uh, back in 2011, full of celebrities that I think you know and love. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks to all our new Instagram followers who mistakenly think that Jersey Shore Family Reunion, the podcast, is the same thing as Jersey Shore Family Vacation, which I'm trying to catch up on on MTV, and <laughs> Trash Bags got married. I never thought I'd see the day. Anyway... I'm going to read this story, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are thankful for you. Okay, here we go. Chet Hayes ruins Thanksgiving. (laughs) 10.51am, Thanksgiving Day, 2011. Rita Wilson couldn't help grinning at her own cleverness. She'd just finished tacking a personalized holiday bunting over the entryway to the dining room. She took a step back to make sure it was centered. Happy T. Hanks giving, read the burgundy and gold flags. Granted, the visual style was slightly clunky, but the pun would give Tom such a kick. She couldn't help chuckling as she admired her work. T. Hanks giving, she smiled softly, shaking her head at the serendipitous play on words. Why didn't I think of this before? Suddenly she was gripped with a mortifying thought. Why didn't I think of this before? We've been married for how long now? At least since volunteers. And that means we've spent at least that many Thanksgivings together, if not more. How has it taken me this long to put together that pun? Oh my God, he must think I'm an idiot. Burning with shame, Rita started to take the bunting down. But as soon as she pulled the end of the string off the wall, she changed her mind again. No, she thought patting the tape back down. Tom will love it. It doesn't matter how long it took me to get here, I'm here now. He loves me, no matter how long it takes me to process certain types of wordplay. She stepped back from the bunting again and breathed a deep, heavy sigh as her gaze drifted from the cheerful signage to the infinite void just beyond the veil. 11.45 a.m., Tom Hanks was only slightly more winded than his eldest son, Colin Hanks, as he unlocked his phone. They'd been playing one-on-one in the driveway while waiting for Chet to call from the train station. Colin had just blocked his layup attempt when Tom's phone buzzed on the brick parapet. Text from baby Chet. Was app. Was app? Tom read aloud. What is that, another app I'm supposed to download? Colin laughed and shook his head. I think it's from those old beer commercials, Boomer. Boomer? laughed Tom. You're lucky we have to go get your brother, or else this boomer would trounce your buns on the court. Half-brother, countered Colin. And last I checked, I was up 3-1. Tom opened his mouth to say something, but changed his mind. You coming with me to the train station, or you want to go upstairs and wake up your other half-brother? I'll take the drive. I need to swing by the drugstore on the way. Tom and Colin walked into the kitchen, where Rita was sliding a casserole dish into the oven. Did Chetty's train get in? she asked. Yeah, said Colin as he grabbed the keys. Tom had sidled up to his wife to give her a kiss as she shut the oven door. Careful, the oven is hot. Maybe, but you're hotter, flirted Tom. Babe, you're ridiculous, Rita objected. 
but she accepted another quick peck. Colin rolled his eyes. I'm gonna start up the car. Are you sure you don't mind taking two trips? I hate that Elizabeth and Chetty didn't get on the same page about train schedules. It's five minutes there and back, said Tom, and he followed Colin out into the garage. 11.59 a.m. Chet Hayes practiced karate kicking a fire hydrant on the curb in front of the train station. Freaking freezing in this dumbass town, he complained bitterly as he spun and almost but didn't quite land a roundhouse. Although he had a sweatshirt in his duffel bag, he resented all the effort it would take to go in and get it, so he stood shivering in the November air in just his stained Calvin Klein t-shirt and torn jeans. Freezing my balls off. The f*** they at? He asked himself as he checked his phone. Text from Daddy Dookie. Colin and I are on the way. That was ten friggin' minutes ago. What, were they walking to the train station to get him? Just so you know, Chet got laid a lot at college. It was honestly kind of an inconvenience to come home for Thanksgiving, considering how extra horny all the girls were who didn't go home for the holidays. Lonely girls loved Chet Hayes. And not just for being the son of America's dad, they loved him for being a sick-ass rapper with baby blue eyes and the attitude of a rescued pit bull. So what if he came from a warm and supportive home? That didn't mean he wasn't a cold-blooded killer just under the surface. Chet saw his brother's car turn into the parking lot and make its way toward him. He delivered one last karate kick blow to the fire hydrant, an easier sidekick this time, to subliminally remind Colin how friggin' hard he was before having to slide into the back seat like a friggin' baby. Tom rolled down his window. Welcome home, my boy. How was the trip? Chet tossed his duffel bag into the back seat before climbing in after it. He slammed the car door, gave Colin's headrest a jaunty slap, and pointed to the windshield. Haul ass, Colin! 12.08 p.m. Rita was fiddling with the bunting again. Maybe it would be better to take it down. Tom hadn't seen it yet, so he'd never know it was gone. She couldn't shake her feeling of immense stupidity, of waiting literal decades before making anything of the tea Thanksgiving pun that the entire rest of the world must have already discovered and forgotten long ago. She pulled herself away and collapsed on the parlor sofa. Her morning chai hadn't woken her up quite the way it usually did, and she was already exhausted from cooking. The stuffing was in the oven just above the turkey, the potatoes were washed and peeled, the salad greens were still safe in the crisper, thank God. She learned the hard way that salad always has to be prepared at the very last minute. See? She wasn't an idiot. She learned from her mistakes. Leafy greens wilted if you left them out and dressed for too long. Unless it was a kale salad. Then you wanted it to wilt a little bit. Oh no. Should I have made a kale salad instead of the spring mix with pear vinaigrette? Everyone's obsessed with kale nowadays. What will Tom think of spring mix? Why didn't I even consider kale? She pressed her fingertips to her temples and closed her eyes very tightly. Deep breath in through the nose, deep breath out through the mouth. Get it together, Rita. When suddenly the garage door opened, Rita jumped off the sofa like she'd been caught and scurried into the kitchen. Tom came in first, followed by Colin, wrestling Chet's huge duffel bag through the doorway. Where's my Chetty? Rita asked. Colin sighed and dropped the bag with a thud, probably fighting the mailbox. Tom leaned back through the garage door to look for Chet. He was, indeed, standing next to a pile of rubble where the mailbox used to be. Chet? What are you doing? called Tom as casually as possible. Uh, your friggin' thing fell, yelled Chet. 12.14 p.m. 
Colin closed his bedroom door behind him and pulled the pill bottle out of his pocket. He held it close to his face to read the fine print. Yes, it would do. It would do nicely. He nudged his window curtain over just enough to see the front yard. Chet was squatting over the destroyed mailbox, taking selfies. I have hated you for so very long, said Colin, each word seething. And as soon as the words left his mouth, he glimpsed himself in the mirror over his dresser. He didn't like the person he saw there. Colin was 12 when Chet was born, two years after their father married Rita, which was just one year after his parents had gotten divorced. Colin didn't hold anything against Rita, at least not anymore. He was a 33-year-old man and he'd worked it out in therapy long ago. His parents were only human. But Chet wasn't quite a human. He was more of a natural disaster. Suddenly, Colin heard a creak in the floorboard at his doorway. He threw the door open to find Truman, the youngest Hanks, crouching at keyhole level. What are you doing, you little spy? Colin said. Truman used to laugh and laugh when Colin turned into a villain. You're such a weirdo, grinned Truman. Were you talking to yourself in there? It is you who are the weirdo, Colin intoned, throwing a pretend cape behind him. Get thee hence, spy! And with that, he chased Truman down the stairs. 1.08 p.m. Would you stop being a jerk and just move your fat butt, yelled Truman. He and Colin were sitting on the couch, like normal people, but Chet was standing in front of the television, blocking it. I can't see the game. Chill, pootie, Chet said directly into the glowing screen. Yes, he exclaimed, slapping the screen and sending pixel goo flying within it around the point of impact. Please don't ruin another TV, Colin begged. Eubanks just scored a touchdown, dinky dit. Then Chet pulled out his phone and started scrolling through it. Chet, move, at least while you're texting, Truman tried again. But Chet held up a middle finger without looking away from his phone. Truman looked at Colin for support, but Colin was getting a call. It's Samantha, be right back, he mouthed as he put the phone up to his ear and started up the stairs. The game came back on, and Truman thought better of just asking Chet to move again. So instead, he unlaced his Nike and threw it at Chet's back. Move, fat ass, he yelled. Chet turned, threw his phone onto the shag carpet, and charged at his younger brother. You're gonna regret that, you little pooty bitch. 1.51 p.m. Rita could hear a commotion coming from the basement. Boys, stop that! She paused, shaking her pampered chef salad dressing bottle. But she didn't really want to get involved whenever her sons were fighting. They were young men, and she wanted them to learn to get along without being forced to. She wandered over towards the dining room, resuming shaking her dressing, and leaned against the doorway. The bunting should come down. No, it should stay up. No, Elizabeth should pick up Kale when her train gets in. Yes, that's it. But no, that wasn't it. 2.21 p.m. Elizabeth Hanks sat typing on her laptop as foliage blurred by. Just ten more pages and then she could send the manuscript to her agent. Her stop was rapidly approaching, and she wished for just a few more minutes of uninterrupted writing time. But Rita would want her to help cook. Oh, God. Was Rita going to ask her to make a salad? Nobody ever wants to make the salad. It's the least dignified part of any family meal. The soggy, boring stepson that nobody likes but everyone has to pretend is beautiful or inventive. She'd have to scoop some limp lettuce onto everyone's plate with a set of try-hard oversized bamboo utensils, and they'd eat just enough of it that it looked like they would have eaten more of it if only the rest of dinner weren't also so delicious. 
If Rita asked her to make the salad, she'd just come out and say it. How about we don't have salad, Rita? Yeah, she'd just say it, let the words explode out of her. Just then her phone buzzed. Text from Rita. SOS, what's better, kale or mixed greens? Elizabeth rolled her eyes so hard that her ocular nerve pinched and made her wince in pain. She reached into her coat pocket, unscrewed an airplane-sized bottle of Fireball, and threw it back. Train stopping, Sycamore Station, came over the intercom. Elizabeth slipped her laptop into her bag and stood to collect the rest of her luggage. 2.26 p.m. Colin's SUV rolled into the train station parking lot for the second time that day. Elizabeth stood at the curb, frowning at her phone next to her luggage. He pulled up in front of her and motioned to the trunk. She walked behind the car, struggled with the handle, and knocked on the back windshield. Colin rolled down his window and called, It's unlocked! You just have to pull the handle! He could hear her sigh, followed shortly by the sound of the trunk opening up. As she lifted her bags into the car, she said, What kind of service is this? I have to jimmy open your trunk with a crowbar? Hey, I never said I was AAA, Colin smirked. As she got into the passenger seat, Colin leaned over to air kiss her on the cheek. Happy Thanksgiving, he said. Yeah, yeah, happy turkey murder day. P.S. Rita says we have to go pick up Kale on the way home. Colin nodded as he drove out of the parking lot. You were smart to take a different train from Chet. He's on a roll today. He put his turn signal on. Yeah, I didn't want to have to pay for his ticket. Has he maimed Truman yet? Almost, but I think Truman escaped upstairs to watch some History Channel thing with Dad. Ah, ancient alien Nazis at the first Thanksgiving? Something like that. After a beat, he added, I just want to get through the day with minimal craziness. You know? Chet's already destroyed the mailbox, and I think he ruined the basement TV. Elizabeth thought for a moment. He is dyslexic, she offered. Maybe it's frustrating him more than usual? Colin considered. Could be. He just can't ruin another Thanksgiving. 2.58 p.m. When he heard Colin's SUV pull into the driveway, Tom finally felt like he could stop holding his breath. Elizabeth was home, which meant all his children were home, under his roof, and in an hour or two, he'd be chowing down on turkey and gravy with the people he loved most in the world. 2011 had been a tough year. Larry Crown was doing well, and that Jonathan Saffron Fower one was too, but 55 had come at him hard slammed him down like a pro wrestler with some serious beef. I'm just a guy, Tom thought. Just an average guy who gets to act in movies. I'm aging gracefully. I'm kind to my fans. Why do I suddenly feel like I just got buried under a thousand pounds of... What, ennui? I feel like I'm wearing a hundred weighted blankets and I can't take them off. But Elizabeth was here now, and Colin, and Chetty, and Truman had made honor roll yet again, and Rita was running around the kitchen doing what she loved best, and his family was together. It was like the old days again. You can go back, he thought. It gets harder to find the way, but you can get back there if you're all together. The toilet flushed and Tom's youngest came out of the master bathroom. Did you wash your hands? Tom asked. With an exasperated sigh, Truman turned around to go back into the bathroom. My little guy, thought Tom. 3.31 p.m. Chet was starving. What was the friggin' holdup? You throw a turkey in the oven for an hour, then you eat it. Nothing good was on TV, and his edible was just starting to kick in. 
He stomped up the stairs from the finished basement into the kitchen, where his mom and Elizabeth were scurrying around the kitchen like those little buck-toothed mice from Cinderella. His mom was rolling up crescent rolls and putting them on a baking sheet. He picked up an uncooked crescent roll and shoved the whole thing in his mouth. "'What are you doing? That's raw!' cried his mother. It didn't taste as good as a cooked one, but it wasn't bad. "'I'm hungry,' Chet whined as he opened the fridge. "'We're eating in thirty minutes,' said his mom. "'Don't spoil your appetite.' Elizabeth tossed the salad and noticed that Chet was pulling out cold cuts and mustard. "'Are you seriously making a sandwich right now?' "'I said I'm hungry,' said Chet. "'Everything Lizzie said was an accusation. Freaking book nerd. "'All he wanted was a dumbass sandwich.' He pulled out two slices of bread and left the rest of the loaf on the counter in its open bag. He slapped an entire package's worth of sliced ham onto the bread and then shook the mustard bottle before squeezing what was immediately too much mustard. He was about to top the whole thing off with another slice of bread when he started glancing around. It needed something. He reached into the salad bowl Elizabeth had just put down on the counter and grabbed a handful of lettuce. What the f*** are you doing to the salad? yelled Elizabeth from across the kitchen. Chill! I needed lettuce, he shouted back. Chetty, we're eating soon, and Lizzie, please don't swear, chided Rita. Y'all should be happy I'm eating vegetables, he pouted, then took a huge bite of his sandwich as fillings fell out willy-nilly onto the floor. As he was leaving the room, he heard Elizabeth sigh. He just tainted the salad, she was saying. Taint my taint, he thought. 3.58 p.m. Colin set out the placemats, distributed the glassware, tucked the forks and knives into folded napkins, and then it was time. He glanced around to make sure there were no witnesses, and pulled the pill bottle out of his pocket. He deposited one white tablet into the bottom of a glass, used the butt end of a knife to grind the pill into powder, then wiped and replaced the knife, and filled the glass with water. He put it where he knew Chet would insist on sitting, next to the head of the table, where he could get at that yum-yum fastest. Chet had been very clear about his preference for that seating position for years now, never realizing that Colin would one day use it to his advantage. But not his advantage, not really. The family's advantage. Just then, Rita walked into the dining room with the stuffing. She groaned, Oh, call, those are the wrong placemats. She dropped the casserole dish on the trivet, then collected herself. Gosh, sorry, I meant thank you for setting the table. I bought new placemats this year, but these are fine. They're great, I mean. Thank you. She trailed off, rubbing her temples and closing her eyes as she passed under the bunting. Colin shrugged. Want me to swap them out? He called after her. No, hon, those are just fine. Elizabeth passed Rita on her way in with a large salad bowl, bamboo tongs artfully leaning out of the side. She looked around the table. Where's Chet sitting? She asked. Taken aback, Colin stammered and <laughs> pretended to think. Oh, <laughs> Oh, um, over there, uh, I think? He pointed to the place with the dosed water glass. Elizabeth placed the salad at the top of his placemat. Great, he can have first dibs on salad, she said. Colin followed her back into the kitchen to bring out the rest of the feast. 4.09 p.m. The Hanks family was seated around the table, all except Chet. Elizabeth topped off her Pinot Gris. Colin couldn't seem to make his eyes stop darting around. Truman reached out to poke at the turkey, but Tom slapped his hand away with a wink. Rita leaned back in her chair and yelled over her shoulder, Chetty, can you come join us, please? A toilet flushed a few rooms away, and then Chet appeared in the doorway. What the f*** this be? A Rocky Norman painting? Y'all look like chumps, he said, turning his dining room chair to face the wall and swinging a leg over it. 
Can you reach your plate that way? asked Tom, genuinely curious. But before Chuck could answer, Colin raised his glass. A toast, he began, doing everything in his power to steady his voice. To the most delicious meal anyone could, Rita cut him off. Wait a second, not everyone has something to toast with. Chet, would you like some wine? Doike! He reached across Elizabeth to grab the bottle and filled his glass to the brim. All right, all right, that's good, that's enough, warned Tom, but wine overflowed onto the tablecloth just the same. At least it's white wine, he shrugged. He smiled at Rita and lifted his glass. Colin, you were toasting? I, yes, but, um, I'm wondering, does anyone need ice in their water? Has everyone tasted their water for temperature? Is it, is temperature is good? Everyone looked at their water glasses. Chet picked up the glass nearest his plate, examined it through the side, and then chugged it, releasing a loud burp after he drained the glass. Could have used some ice, son. He then picked up his wine and started chugging that. Colin beamed at his family and lifted his glass again. This is a toast. To say that this meal looks delicious, well done, Rita, and wow, Lizzie, what a beautiful salad. And I'm grateful to be... Chet had finished his wine and was now making a buzzer noise. Finish my drink before the toast ended. No points for you. What points, dingus, slurred Elizabeth, draining her wine. Can we cut the turkey now, asked Truman. I'm starving. Tom picked up the carving knife and fork. With pleasure. He cut into the joint where the drumstick met the thigh. I'm about to show y'all mad points, Chet said, getting up from his seat. He put up his fists and started shifting his weight back and forward on his toes like a boxer. Careful, Chet, I'm taking a bird apart over here, <laughs> Tom smirked. Fifty points for the flag thing punctuated his sentence with a karate kick aimed directly at the T-Hanksgiving bunting. Chet's foot got stuck in the bunting and he fell to the floor in a heap, which shook all of the china in the china cabinets lining the dining room. Colin yelled, What are you doing? Tom turned to look and in doing so knocked a bamboo tong out of the salad bowl onto the floor, lettuce flying everywhere. Truman shrugged, tore off a drumstick and started eating. Elizabeth rolled her eyes and took a sip of water, and Rita burst into tears. My Bunting, she wailed, then buried her face in her arms on her empty plate. Chet peeked over the table. Dang, my bee. Thought I could make a clean kick. That is actually my bee. Sorry, moms. Colin patted his stepmother on the shoulder as she sobbed. There, there, Rita. Dad, did you get a chance to see the bunting? <laughs> it said, Happy Tea Hanks Giving. It was cute, too. You could tell it was well made. Tom turned in his chair and picked up the fallen bunting. Hey, T. Hanks? Like Tom Hanks? He gestured to himself. That's pretty funny. Rita started laughing then, eyes still wet with tears, and Tom laughed with her. Truman and Colin started laughing as well, and soon Chet joined in. Ta Hanks giving! <laughs> Tom chuckled, and even Elizabeth started to smile, until she threw up all over the table. Everyone stopped and looked at her. Wait, Colin said, asking what seemed to be a non-sequitur to the rest of the family. Does the water glass go on the left or the right? And that's the story. That is 11 pages. <laughs> that is 11 pages of uh, fan fiction that I wrote uh, for Thanksgiving as a gift from me to you. And uh, let's just say all of us here at Jersey Shore Family Reunion freaking love you guys. And we hope you are staying safe during COVID and enjoying Thanksgiving, and feeling thankful for the fact that we all still have each other, 
And there's a new season of Jersey Shore Family Vacation airing on MTV at this very moment. Anyways, that's it. I love you guys. Bye. I'm the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> After I have sex with a guy, I will rip their heads off. Go beat it! Go beat it!